Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ITM vodcast, recorded live and available on demand, of course. So as you may know, we started the ITM podcast quite a while ago, and now everyone, probably including my mum, seems to have one. So we don't like to stand still at ITM, and now we're bringing our conversations to life with added video. The purpose of the ITM vodcast series is to gain insight from some of the most influential buyers and suppliers in the industry. The key difference is that we want you to really get to know the individuals in those roles. So when we're finally together again, you'll actually feel like you're already firm friends with plenty for you to talk about when you get to know them. So I'm really pleased that our first podcast guest has become a real friend of ITM and mine too. And it's Chris Vick, SVP of EMEA for Trip Actions. Hello, Chris. Good morning, Scott. It's a pleasure to be here with you. How are you doing? So you're joining us today from your home in Denmark, I believe. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually in a little rented space here, but it's nice because uh, with a small family, it's a little bit crazy at home. So it's just nice to get out of the house and have an excuse not to do all the dishes and all the things in between calls. So, uh, But I am based in Denmark, so a uh, pleasure to meet you again. That's great. And I guess, first of all, Chris, I know that our community is going to want to say a big congratulations on the arrival of your second child. And I, on a recent call with you, it was great. Chris was actually talking to me while simultaneously bouncing on a medicine ball and rocking his son to sleep. That's right, Chris. Yeah, it's uh, typically in bedtime when my wife needs a little rest from the day. I, I take the, the little guy and I carry him on me for it. And I carry on with the calls in the evening. So it's actually pretty, pretty nice. Excellent. So Chris, I know, relatively speaking, you're a, a still a newcomer to the travel industry. Just for the benefit of our community, just give us a brief update. What's your career background? Yeah, you know, they say every every human have three careers in a lifetime. So I, I feel like this is my second career. But I started out as a as a physical therapist many years ago. And I was coaching people and athletes and people who, everything from people who needed to lose weight, people who wanted to get into shape or competition. And then um, I think the underlying thing has always been the passion for development of people and peak performance. So when I kind of decided to make a move in my life. I moved to the UK in 2007 and I lived there for almost nine years. I went back to school. I went back and did a business degree and I ended up in software. It was kind of like random, but I always knew that, you know, growing in companies was a passion. And, um, and I spent a couple of years in software companies where it was all around solving big problems through technology. And the way that I look at travel is really it is a really interesting industry. It's a large industry, but there's also a lot of things that I think can be improved through technology and people. So for that reason, I, I ended up in the trip actions. I'm just generally excited about what we're doing. I love that concept of three careers as well. You and your set. I was scared because I was thinking I must be on my third. So I'm, I'm kind of done, my Chris. Maybe, maybe you are the, you have fifth or sixth in here. You never know. I wonder what your third will be then, but uh, I know that this one's keeping you really busy. And of course, Trip Actions is only five or so years old, uh, but really arrived in the UK with a big bang. And without, of course, giving us an, a, an advert, uh, can you just explain what's your mission there at Trip Actions, Chris? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, it's, I was reflecting over this because in layman terms, it's all about creating happy customers. And for us, it's about creating all the persona profiles that touches a travel program anyone who travels first and foremost, creating something they actually really enjoy. And I think some of our friends in the industry have done a really good job there. But they're, the way that I was questioning it, Scott, was there must be a reason why there is room for someone like us. 
So when I keep asking our customers, why did you become a customer of TripActions? It's all around the user experience. So creating something that users and travelers love, aka me in my, in my previous roles, but also people that needs to consolidate all the data on the back end, finance, you know, procurement teams, et cetera. So having a one, let, let's call it a one-stop shop or one tool that can do all of those things for those different personas is, it's really the mission that we're on to, to put a smile on people when they're traveling or dealing with the back end. That's a, a nice way to frame it because I guess sometimes TMCs only hear from their customers when things don't go quite right. So when the experience itself can put a smile on their face, that's, um, that's quite something to aim for. Yeah, we don't always do it, of course, but I think, you know, when, when we typically do, I do a lot of executive um, quarterly business reviews and we get into, I'm more interested in knowing the things that customers are not happy with. <clears throat> and maybe that is things like, hey, should be blue, blue instead of green, then we'll take it back to product and, and the other people I work with here in Europe specifically. And, um, and it's exciting to see the speed of which we can help them. Because this is truly one of the core differentiators for, for us that we are able to, um, to, to move with more agility. Right. And the, you mentioned um, about, you know, how TripAction has always been very traveler centric. And I think, um, you know, as we come through and out the other side of this pandemic, it's going to need to be an even stronger focus on those individual travelers, isn't there? 100%, 100%. I think, you know, every business leader that we speak with right now, they're, they're left with a little bit of a conundrum, which is we need to find a way back to revenue and getting our salespeople on the road. And some part of the population are saying, well, this is going to change travel patterns forever. We will never travel again in the same way, which I think is right. But someone said the other day that if you believe that you can do everything on the Zoom, you will do it until you lose your first big deal to your competitor who was there face-to-face. So I think the conundrum is how do you get back to revenue by putting people in a safe manner back on the road? For example, now if the if the business demanded me to fly to, I don't know, for a business trip to uh, to the US into an infected region, I probably wouldn't go. So it's that balance of how do you achieve the, the business mission, but also serving the personal, the traveler's safety and, and compliance and everything that we care about as travelers. And I think that's going to be a, a challenge. And there's going to be a lot of information to serve up to them to make them comfortable to do that, isn't there? So I guess the, the tool, the front end that they interface with is going to be so critical. Um, Chris, for those that don't know, uh, you talked about the end-to-end solution. Again, uh, we, this is uh, no kind of uh, advert we're looking for here, but I want people to understand Liquid, uh, the tool that you have um, on the expense side, not yet available in the UK, I understand, but can you just explain what it is and when it might come here? Yeah, I was explaining it to a friend of mine the other day, and, and, and I am a big fan of using lingo from the industry. But <clears throat> I was asking my friend, I said, have you ever done an expense report? Yes. Have you ever been frustrated with the time it took you to do the expense report? Yes. Have you ever then also experienced that your expense report got rejected because your boss's boss's boss said, hey, this was out of policy? Yes, I have. And then I said to my friend, imagine if there was a world where you didn't have to go through any of that pain because the system knew in a smart way where you were and what you were spending your money on. So you actually didn't have to file an expense report. And that is in, in layman terms, all that Liquid is aimed to doing to basically remove, you know, manual labor, manual activities and hours that's, that's being used today that's taking you away from productivity. So we're excited about the product, Scott, and it's launching in Europe sometime in H2. 
So, um, so stay tuned. Great. Okay, we'll look out for that. And um, I just wonder what your thoughts are, Chris. The TMC landscape is um, is an interesting place. It always has been. We take the UK market as an example, where we are based over here at ITM. There's probably seventy or eighty TMCs operating, and it's very difficult times. And we are sadly losing um, some of them through this pandemic. But why do you think the market is so very highly competed with so many different players? And how do you see that landscape playing out as we come through the pandemic? Well, it's an interesting, like if you look at some of the numbers, like the UK economy has taken a dip through the pandemic for sure. But if you look at the 2020 figures, the GDP in the UK was 2.64 trillion. And if you adjust it for purchasing power parity, it's almost a 3 trillion business. So the fifth largest economy, fifth largest economy in the world. And looking at that from sitting in Denmark, looking at that, that's a, that's a bohemoth. And I think there is a lot of businesses that travel, you know, they have local requirements in the UK. You guys are doing a lot of business within your own countries. So that is specific requirements and you don't necessarily need the, the breadth and the scope of a global PMC. Having said that, though, I think that has its place and time and, and many, you know, smaller TMCs, I, I think they thrive in that environment. I also believe that on the global scene, there's probably going to be a consolidation of different players. And um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of them disappear, unfortunately, neither. But I just hope that the, this thing is teaching the industry to stand together more and really look at each other. And instead of, instead of looking at the negatives, let's look at the positives and learn from each other so we can emerge with something that's better than it was for the last six, seven years or more. Right. Right. And it's, um, it's interesting because it, it's not very often that we have new entrants in the TMC market. And again, particularly from the Europe side, so that I can think of maybe including ourselves, maybe three um, major TMCs that have emerged even over the last 10, 15 years or so. So that kind of disruption can be really positive to show us a new way of, uh, of running the model as well. Yeah, I think it's, um, it, it's, it's def- it hasn't been easy, Scott. I can tell you that. And you've been around for, for many years. But it's very rewarding because you're really, really trying to move a status quo, which is never easy. But at the same time, when you manage to move the status quo and, and you start to see that, you know, trends are following in your, in your favor, people are starting to really buy into your value proposition and, and the, the vision. It's, it's worth every, you know, hour we, we spend in the, in the trenches, which, which are sometimes rough. You know, in my um, you, you talk about my career like it's been a hundred years, Chris. But I, I want I worked for TMC at one stage of my career, and it, you know, with respect to everyone that I work for, the most challenging sector to work in. It's so competitive. It's so relentless. It's so uh, the dem- the customer base is so very demanding. I have huge respect for anyone who succeeds in the TMC space. It's uh, it's a it's a competitive place. Yeah. I, well, I think it. Like I'm a big believer in, 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 you know, you have to listen to what the customer needs because all the technical debt and all the, you know, features, functions, etc. We are not perfect as a company, but what we say is that no travel program is perfect. But if we can find a synergistic effect where we work together on the, you know, short term and mid long term things, we will get there. So having the mindset in the people, whether it's called trip actions or agency or BCD. There are some great people out there, and, and I know that we're going to come out of this stronger. That's, that's, that is my belief. Agreed. So um, thinking more about your general approach, Chris, and your, your style as a leader, 
given that we faced just relentless challenges for the last year and more, how have you adapted your leadership style during that period? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I know for a fact that I've probably come, I have, I think, let's put it like this. I don't think, I think if, if you as a leader haven't adapted through this pandemic, I think you're doing a big mistake. So having a, you know, approach of metrics and numbers, it's not only about the numbers and the metrics, it's about the heart and connecting with your people. Because otherwise people, people right now, they have the, the luxury, Scott, I think. I don't know if you feel the same, but since we're all working from home, you could literally be working in any company unless you're an entrepreneur. So you really have to tap into something else and just the money and the career path. And one of the things that we're doing specifically is that we're, we are focusing much more on getting together as a team in a virtual world. Every Monday morning, we get together and we talk about lessons learned, failures, strengths from last week. And we get people to share those moments that are moving the needle for all of us. And, and one of the beauties of that, I think, is that it creates a, a sense of belonging for the team. You, you have the personal growth. And in fact, we're actually using a framework on that um, we can talk about it later or at a different time, but we're using a specific framework that I think is, is super powerful for, for that specific cause. It's interesting. I suppose um, TripActions might be an example of a company that's recruited through this period as well in certain positions. And I think there'll be many people working in the industry who have joined a company without ever physically meeting a colleague in the last year or so as well. It's so difficult yes. to, to engender a culture virtually, uh, but it sounds like you're working hard to do that. Yeah, we are. I mean, diversity is a big topic for us, whether it's women in technology, women in travel, or it's men in travel. Like diversity is, I think you're you're missing the trick if you're not using diversity as a key strength when you're recruiting. I also think it just creates the different dynamics in the team. Um, could we become better at creating a virtual, you know, get together environment? Yes, we can. But when your question was how you adopted your style originally, it's definitely one of those things that I'm spending much more time and focus on than just the core metrics. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly stretching us all in different ways. And then when we move to see people in person again, we're going to have to have to learn how to do small talk, aren't we, Chris? When we see people at the bar or the coffee coffee shop, all these these skills we haven't used for a while. Exactly, exactly. It was interesting. I was I, my my my. Uh, my eldest, Calvin, he, he turned three years old yesterday. And because of Corona, we had to restrict it. He had, had a birthday party of three. And uh, it's kind of like a little bit sad too, but we invited two of his best friends from, from his kindergarten. And it just reminded me of everything, which is everything we do, it's about, it, it will be an awkward moment to get back to normal, like more socialism, or not socialist, but having to be more social. But I think if we just, if we are cognizant about it and when we meet in the bar scott next time it's it's going to be business as usual i think as long as we are aware of it so it's a good point to raise let's hope so i look forward to that so talking about i guess relationships the way people work together you've i understand just appointed someone we, we all know rather well here but you're not quite ready to announce it uh, am i right in saying that yeah we want to drop 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 it uh, we, we're actually hosting our Destinations Europe on March 23rd. So we're going to announce it uh, there. So another nugget to register to find out. But all I can say is that it is a very um, celebrity. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but it's someone everyone in the travel space know well in the UK specifically. The European business travel community probably knows the person well. 
I know the person knows ITM really well too. So I'm really excited about it because I know that this individual is going to to really take us into, uh, it's going to help us on the branding and, and more brand awareness around transactions for sure. The person is fantastic. So looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to that because you you describe them as a celebrity. That'll get our uh, our delegates uh, their thinking hats on who that could be. But it's just so important to have people that are in the end networked in the industry and with the kind of reputation to help you carry your message forward. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think also as we've grown now, we've we've proven that we can win a lot of business during the pandemic. And one of the things that I love the most as a part of the go to market is the really the intersection between sales and marketing. So having someone from marketing who knows the industry well, who knows, should I spend my money with Scott Davis or should I go to Nina Pinta or whoever it is, that, that is just so powerful for us. And uh, I'm, I'm genuinely really excited about it. Great. Really, really uh, pleased uh, that we're going to know that person. We look forward to hearing the announcement next week. I want to actually expand on that idea of recruitment. As a, as a recruiter over the years, it's always fascinated me what people's different approaches, because recruitment, I don't think is a precise art, but it, there's some science in it at least. So when you're recruiting, Chris, and I'm thinking some of our delegates might be out there, of course, you know, looking for new positions and looking to develop their careers going forward. Well, how do you approach recruitment? And what are your killer questions that if anyone ever finds themselves sitting in front of you, what should they be prepared for? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great question too. I probably have a little bit different approach to recruitment than maybe some of my friends in the industry. So from a high level, I can talk about this topic for, for hours and hours, but in essence, it's all about tangibles versus intangibles. And I don't necessarily look for the tangibles and with tangible tangibles, I mean the skills and the knowledge. Like, does this person have 20 years experience in the travel industry? That is a, that is a positive, but I'm much more looking for the intangibles. So the characteristics of the person, is this person driven? Is this person intelligent? Is this person coachable? Is this person someone that we like to call, do they have a PhD, not in the academic sense, but do they have the persistent, the heart and the desire to really go and become a challenger in a, in a big, big, large industry? And if you add a pandemic to it, a travel pandemic to that on top, it's probably the hardest job you can have on the planet right now. And and I'm sure there are many of the listeners that can uh, can acknowledge that. So those intangibles, the characteristics are really, really important for me. The coachability is important because as we keep bringing in people who don't necessarily, from the sales side, have a lot of travel experience, we need them to partner up and learn this industry extremely fast and learn what others have done in 10 years and maybe a year. Sounds like an impossible task, but if you have the intelligence and you have the desire and you are coachable, we have proven that people can do it. And then we partner these salespeople, in this case, up with people that come from the travel industry, who has that resume, that has the local knowledge, et cetera. And it becomes a very magical recipe of success when you have someone who has the drive and the grit, who is going to knock down doors and start relationships, et cetera. And at the same time, you have someone who are thought leaders on how do you quantify the pain in business travel? How do you, you know, position a business case to the CFO? And you get all of these components together in the mix. It becomes a really extraordinary machine to witness. So some of the questions, uh, it's, it's a tough one, but some of the questions I would ask them is, I like to keep 
I put people on the spot, Scott, just like like you're doing, I, I'm sure. And I would say, ring, ring, the phone is ringing and you're calling, you're calling the CFO of a large UK company. You have literally 30 seconds to convince the person to take a meeting. And the first thing he says is, or she says is, look, we're in a travel pandemic. No one is traveling. Why should I take a meeting with you? What would you say? Because that's what we meet as a TMZ every single day, multiple times a day. So how do you overcome that? And that's where the persistent and the heart and the desire really comes in. And there is a saying that one of my mentors used to say, and I believe strongly in it, which is sometimes I would say intelligence is overrated, but grit is underrated. So I'll leave you, I'll leave it at that, uh, Scott. I, I, I love that. And I, I couldn't agree more, you know, uh, over the years, I think the way I've always approached it is you, you're of course going to need a good brain because you need to be mentally agile. You need to learn new concepts. And as you say, be, be coachable. But um, so much of it is down to how do you interact with other human beings and uh, yeah. what kind of character and resilience do you have? And it can be hard to get that from an interview because you can, some people you can tell have rehearsed that answer and, uh, and have got, got a way of convincing you. But I think re- recruitment maybe of all of the, all of the things which leaders get involved with is the most rewarding thing. When you get it right, it's really special, isn't it? I, I would say, and this is just my personal view, I would say, but when some of my leaders are asking me, what does it take to be a great leader? If, if you were to rank all the things I need to be great at, I always say the number one thing you have to become a master of is recruitment. If you recruit, and my mentor, one of my other mentors, he used to say this, that imagine that you're putting together a team that's going to go for the Olympic uh, final in some kind of sport. If you only recruit B players, and you are the greatest coach on the earth, you're probably never going to make it to the finals. But if you recruit a team of A players and you are a mediocre coach, you're probably still going to make it to the final. And that's really the ethos we have in everything recruitment from you know, engineers to people who's you know, travel agents and everyone who's touching the customer. And I think we've done a pretty good job of, of recruiting some exceptional talent there. I couldn't agree more. I've, I've made a career out of employing people who are all miles better than me, Chris, and it's sort of, uh, it's done okay. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's Sometimes done. it's scary. Sometimes it's scary too, huh? It, it is, but, you know, um, I, I think, especially in the sales world, your, your salespeople have to have that brain. They also have to be likable because the customer has to be looking forward to that meeting. You know, I always uh, have told my teams, visualize the diary of that person you're going to see. Be the meeting that they're really looking forward to and uh, and not the one that they're, yeah, want it to be over. So uh, not so easy to do. Exactly. I mean, one thing I say to my salespeople all the time is we are not here to waste anyone's time. We are here to add value. And if we have a meeting with someone without adding value, we, did, we didn't do them a favor at all. So I'm really tasking myself to find out something that is valuable in those conversations and add value. Otherwise, you're wasting everyone's time. Agree. So final question about, uh, I guess, the leadership and, and your own experience before we move on to some of the more personal stuff that I want to get into. So over the last year, we've had lots of challenges and we've all been confined to working from home. Are there any changes to life that you have had to adopt over the last year that actually you'd rather like to hang on to? Yeah, you know what? Um, having been someone who has been running EMEA white businesses for many years, I've lived in, I typically live in the UK four days a week. So my alarm clock goes up Monday morning, 3.15. I get a shower, eat breakfast, and then by 4.30, I'm in a taxi to the airport, and I'm in the office at 8.45 UK in, in the city or wherever it may be. And not having to get up at 3.15, 
and instead going to do the diaper shift at 3.15 or taking the kids to kindergarten has really been an eye-opener because it's something I've never really been a part of because I haven't been at home. So it is one of those things I would love to, to, to hang on to. It's going to be hard, but just having had the opportunity the last year to really see the family has really been amazing for me. Agreed. There have been some positives, that's for sure. So yeah. uh, the next series of questions I, I'm planning to ask to each of our guests that we have on the ITM Vodcast. So this is to get to know you even more on a personal level. First one, I guess those of us that are lucky to be parents might say that the proudest thing in our lives are those, those kids that we, that we raise. But outside of parenthood, maybe, what are you the most proud of? What am I the most proud of? I think it's actually that uh, I have friends all over Europe, having lived in many places. And the fact that we managed to stay in touch Yes, I know it's on Zoom and we all hate to be on another Zoom in the evening, but sometimes once a month we get together and we do Zoom hangouts um, and we talk about life and we try to talk about things just like we would if we met up in the bar. And I think no one likes it, but when you don't have a choice and the effort that people have made, I think it's super powerful. Another one that I kind of like think blends work and life and parenting, even though we weren't supposed to talk about it, is that when you work at home, like all those lines get blurred all the time. And, and one of the, I don't, there is a very, very interesting book I would recommend everyone to read. If you Google the meaningful, meaningfulness quotient, did I pronounce that correctly? Quotient? Yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a group out of Denmark called the Voluntas Group that do a lot of research on human behavior. And they interviewed leaders and employees during Corona, before Corona. And they've identified through that research four main things that is so that is essential for people to feel meaningfulness in their lives. And those four things are purpose, leadership, personal growth, and also the essence of belonging. And I'm really proud because when I look at my family, when I look at my friends, or even at work, because it's all blend, blending together now, finding those four pillars and building your culture around those four pillars in private life, but also in work has has really had an impact on how I approach, you know, a scenario with the, with the children. Like, how do you deal with certain situations? And I think about it. How can I, how can I instill purpose in my, my children? How can I, you know, instill growth and so that they learn from the mistakes they do? So it's a long-winded answer, but I think it mixes, it all blends together these days, Scott. Good. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. Okay, so I'll go quick for on these questions because we're running short of time now. Chris, so okay. first, of all, first of all, you know, we, we're all doing a lot more cooking at home during the lockdown. What's your go-to dish that you can cook? Deliveroo, Thai food. I'm terrible. <laughs> <laughs> really, no, nothing in the kitchen? You, it's all delivered? I mean, I can cook something, but I, I wouldn't invite my, my enemy to eat with me. Let's put it like My wife is a far better cook than I am, oh, and right. I am terrible. All right, what about music? Favourite album? You know what? Probably going to surprise you. It's back to front with uh, Lionel Richie. If you remember that one, my I, father used to listen to them in the car, and I I listen so much to it that I, I I love it to this day. Choice classic, I would think. Um, so thinking back to the, the young Chris, what what's the one piece of advice you would give to your younger self? I would probably tell myself to think in decades, not in years or months. Think longer term. Think long term. Good advice. Okay, and then two final questions. Firstly, what is happiness to you? 
happiness to me is a good mark of that is flow. Like when you're in flow and you forget the time, you forget to eat, you know that you're doing something that gives you meaning. And happiness is the sum of, you know, if I wouldn't want to change my being, my situation right now, I know that I'm in a state of happiness because I don't, I don't think about it, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Okay. And then the final question here as we uh, run out of time. So what's your motto for life? How someone does anything tells you everything. Give us that one more how some how someone does anything in their life tells you anything about how they act in their lives so back to recruitment if someone tells me they're doing something and they talk about how they're in the details and i send summary emails and they don't do it with you how you do anything tells you everything and it's it's served me really well so far yeah really important isn't it it's uh words uh words are good actions are better and uh yeah you uh integrity yes. is everything isn't it Exactly. It's, it's everything. In the end of the day, you only have relationships. Everything else, take away everything. All you have is relationships. And if you, if you can't have the integrity to do what you say you're going to do, then you're not going to have relationships in the long run. Again, thinking in decades. That, that's such a great place to end, Chris, because obviously on a personal level, that resonates in our industry with so many people displaced and perhaps not working for the company they used to be working for. Those relationships are just everything, aren't they? And you've got to yes. continually work at them all the time. Yes. Chris, thank you so much for joining us on the ITM podcast. It's been a real treat. I really enjoyed it. Me too. Thank you for having me. Have a great day. Thank you so much, Chris. So that was the very first ITM podcast. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Um, stand by for the next episode really soon. And we'll see you at ITM at the next event. Take care. Bye bye.